Well, it's not exactly a quiet Friday in business and finance, is it? Um, just as we should be getting ready for the weekend. So much going on. And joining me to discuss this is Andrew Freris, CEO of Cognosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. And Will Denyer, Chief US Economist at Gavacal. Good morning, Will. Good morning. Happy to be on. It's great to have you. Now, data came in overnight from the US with employment increasing nearly double of what was expected on top of various other data over the last few days. Based on this, hot off the press, has any of this changed your thoughts on US growth? Will? Yeah, so the problem with uh, the labor market is that the labor market is usually strong just before it isn't. So we've, of course, had many people out there, myself included, uh, who have been worried about a downturn somewhere on the horizon, you know, with the famous long and variable lag. And that stems from the aggressive monetary policy tightening uh, and tightening of financial conditions that we've seen over the last 18 months. Uh, and again, the problem is with those lags where we uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to feed through. We're in, you know, the, we're within the, the normal range at the moment, kind of somewhere in the middle of it, uh, of when these indicators uh, suggest a recession should happen. And and so, you know, coming back to yesterday's data, uh, on the whole, it was indeed a good good day of data, uh, which is encouraging from an, an economy uh, standpoint, from the market's perspective, not so much. We can get to that. Um, but just, just a little bit more on that. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, all clearly good. I mean, the ADP number was indeed extremely strong, but th- they changed their methodology a few months ago and it's not yet clear how reliable that is as an indicator of the, the official payrolls to come out tomorrow. And then if you look at the, uh, the JOLTS data, you know, uh, Powell's been harping on about job openings uh, for many months now. Those actually came down, um, which is continuing a trend, a downward trend that already existed. Uh, but meanwhile, quits were up, and quits are a, a sign of confidence by, by employees. Uh, so that's, that's an encouraging sign. But that one, unlike job openings, is not necessarily a trend yet. That was just one month up after quite a few months down. So the jury's still out a bit, but it was a good day of data on the whole. So, so Will, you said quits are up. Is that what you said? Why, why is that a good thing? It's a good thing because if you're an employee uh, and you quit your job, more often than not, it's because you think you've got a better job or know you have a better job around the corner. Uh, I, you know, I heard you talking about uh, earlier about people leaving uh, Twitter to go to, um, uh, to to Meta, but, you know, that's a different story. That's a layoff because obviously Musk fired those people. So that's not a sign of confidence. Uh, but if you quit your job voluntarily, that, that is a sign of confidence. That usually indicates a strengthening labor market. Mm, interesting measure. Andrew, how has the data affected your view on the U.S. growth? I'll give you three points. Uh, I've uh, been long enough in the market to remember a few years back the monthly monthly labor reports used to be, in general, received with howls of derision because they were revised almost instantly within two months, changing completely. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that things have not changed since then, but something that goes from 200 to 400 immediately raises my suspicion because the economies don't move mm. like that. Okay, and this is too good to be true. I'm not saying there is anything wrong. I'm not saying there's any cookery, but... For the time being, I'm completely nonplussed unless I really understand what made this go 100% within one month. Really? Okay, so the market jumped to the conclusion that the Fed will continue to increase interest rates just based on that leaves me nonplussed. Also, 
the official numbers, which are invariably disregarded and forgotten, tend to be very different from the labor department market. So I want to see the markets today. So for yeah. the time being, um, uh, let's say I looked at it with amusement, uh, non-reaction. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. I think the official numbers are out today. So um, possibly more reliable then than the ADP data, do you think? It's not a matter of reliability because the, the methodology, as Will said, not only is different, but also the methodology of the, of the let's call it the Labour Department numbers, have been changed. And this may have, may have an impact. But uh, it will be very odd uh, that the government tells us we went from 200,005 to 2010, and the other number said we went from 200 to 400,000. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with all of that. Uh, just one clarification: the, the ADP number that came out today was from a uh, was from the firm ADP. It's not from the Labor Department. Um, but Correct. That's yeah. tonight, uh, we do have the Labor Department data coming out, and those those indeed are also subject to significant revisions in the future. So, you know, one's not necessarily better than the other. But ADP, at least in the past, and I, I'd have to review what the, how they changed their methodology, but. They're actually trying to predict the official data, and they actually, at least used to, and I think they still do, use past official data in their model to predict the next reading. So, you know, kind of by definition, it's not as accurate as the official data because it's actually trying to predict the official data. Yeah, interesting. Now, Will, can I ask you a controversial question, coming back to a point you made? You said it, you, we can't guess when the downturn might happen. But what I want to ask you is President Biden is obviously worried that the downturn is going to happen over the elections. Are there any levers he can pull and express it so it gets over before, his, before the elections and he increases his chances? Yeah, you know, he should really consider spending more money. Um, I say that in jest. He's, of course, <laughs> he's been spending money, money hand it, over yeah. fist. So I think he's done uh, everything he can to, to try and prime the pump, so to speak, and arguably uh, did too much. I mean, even even liberal uh, economists like Larry Summers and Olivia Blanchard, they, you know, they think that, that uh, they overdid it with the fiscal stimulus. Um, so I, at this point, I don't... I don't see that there's a lot he can do, partly because he's already done a lot and partly because he has a divided Congress. Correct, yeah. Mm. Through, through Congress would be difficult. Um, I mean, uh, maybe here and there he can do something. Uh, but I, I honestly, I think it's going to come down to, to luck uh, with those lags. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, Congress would obviously possibly not anything let anything through that thinks he gets better chances at the election. So, yeah, let's now go from the US to China, as Janet Yellen just did. If we could be flies on the wall, what do you think we'd be hearing, Andrew? Uh, absolutely nothing of any significant interest. I'm afraid this is going to be a completely non-event. Yeah. Yellen going there is not going to change what has been going on between uh, United States and China. And also, what always surprises me is the absence of long-term memory amongst commentators. Look. Take the year one of Trump's presidency, that's nearly eight years ago. Well, the first thing he did is he raised uh, uh, input duties on a number of Chinese products, including panels and steel. So in other words, the war with China has been eight years plus and going. 
nothing new. Mm. Now, only, only in inverted commas said he, what the United States did is to forbid the, the exportation of, uh, of chips that can be potentially used for defense purposes. In other words, it's, it's, a, kind of a, it's a kind of a non-aggressive actual war. We're depriving you of the bullets. Is it so just good it's for... exactly like that. It's yeah. not an economic war. It is, it is literally a non-bullet war. All right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the U.S. had the record trade with China, so it's, it's not really impacting things in any great significance, although maybe now this ban on precious metals um, could be more yeah. impactful. But it isn't goes, it... it yeah. It's, Go it's, on. Sorry. No, 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 please. Go it on. Goes, it goes back to saying, goes back to saying don't, uh, don't hear what I say. Actually, see what I do. All right, that's why I said, very good, Yellen went there, I wish her the best, okay, but I'm not going to spend any, any restless evenings over that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good mantra to have, I like that one. Um, Will, anything to add? Yeah, I generally agree. I mean, I think what we can say that is positive is that they are talking. Um, yeah. I think, you know, there's, that does not mean that uh, tensions are not so high, that they're not still considering each other strate- strategic rivals. Uh, I think that's kind of... A, a foregone conclusion and not going to change anytime soon. But, you know, if, when you have dialogue going on, uh, either between uh, economic officials or more importantly, between military officials, just the opportunity for accidental disruptions goes down. So at least there's that positive. But, but in general, I, I would agree with Andrew that, um, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if we see any drastic improvement in the relationship. Okay, let's move on to artificial intelligence, something that fascinates me. But some really scary news today from the creators of ChatGBT, that superintelligent AI, which could potentially pose a threat to humanity, could be with us in as little as a decade. Do you think this is just scaremongering? But if it isn't, do you think the world can come together and put regulations in place to stop this happening? Will? Yeah, I've been, I mean, like everyone else, I've been uh, very fast trying to become a data scientist, just like everybody, you know, tried to become a, an expert all of a sudden in securitization in 2007. Um, and, you know, it's, it's exciting technology, and there's no doubt about it. Um, the fact, you know, it's what we've learned is that, you know, with some new technology that actually came out five years ago, um, you know, the, the GPT, OpenAI came up with that technology the gpt by the way is the underlying model uh, on top of which chat gpt chat bpt chat gpt is just a, an application um, that that technology has been in development since two, uh, since 2018 um, but what we've learned is as they've tweaked the model made it more efficient and better and also thrown more data at it and more computing power at it uh, it starts to give interesting um, responses they wouldn't necessarily expect, and it also gets a lot better at mimicking human intelligence. And so, you know, I'm I'm not qualified to say exactly how high the risk is. I'm certainly not qualified enough to tell OpenAI uh, engineers that their concerns are are poorly based. Uh, they obviously understand it a lot better than I do. Um, but you know, just from looking at it from afar, the fact that we've seen such dramatic progress in the last few years. Uh, in these models and their applications, you know, does raise concerns, uh, you know, ethical concerns, safety concerns, um, uses concerns, concerns to the labor market, um, which, you know, we're all grappling with and happy to get into them. But, uh, you know, putting some some guardrails on the on this powerful technology 
doesn't sound like a terrible idea to me. Andrew, are you having sleepless nights over this? Absolutely not, for three, three I wouldn't say very good reasons, but mm. three reasons. Reason number one, I've been observing very closely, I might have missed out something, the monetization of artificial intelligence, which appears to be quite difficult. Now, if these companies can't make money out of that, believe me, they will lose interest very quickly, and uh, humanity will be rest assured that it will remain to live. Point number two is his concerns about uh, uh, somehow technology overrunning itself and killing us all. goes back to the 1950s, Isaac Isimov, okay, the famous science fiction author that produced the three laws of robotics. You know, a robot cannot kill its master. A yeah. robot, if instructed, it will kill itself. You know, all this can be easily implemented within an artificial intelligence, uh, intelligence uh, let's say, protocol. Okay, and uh, the third point, of course, is this is this old, old hat. I clearly remember, okay, being frenetically involved with the big boom in the year 2000 with yes. Internet and how unbelievably it was going to change everything. Oh, it changed a great deal. But unfortunately, science doesn't move in pivotal moments. It moves in slow progression. Okay, building continuously. It's an exponential correction. It is an extrapolarity kind of development rather than you wake up on Monday and you discover okay. the cure of cancer. Ta-da! Okay, thank you, you, Andrew. I'm going to have to stop you there because it's coming up to the news. But what a fascinating conversation. I'd love to continue it with you both.